the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Myself. I call them kitchen shelfies. <laughs> I know you're saying, don't quit the day job. Oh, I worked all day on that one. Sorry, I've had a little internet connection problem today. Uh, causes a little clipping in my head, and it's it's uh, unbearable. Uh, but I did want to mention, like one of the emails I saw come through, and I hope you look at everything in your life as a financial discussion with yourself. I saw an email come in from Chase. I've got a Chase double cash card. Love it. No, actually, the city double cash card. I got a Chase uh, Amazon card. So Chase sends me an email and says, I love it, I love it. Uh, That's me after partaking in some champagne. Um, I know you're saying you don't really drink champagne, do you? I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Chase sends an email to me that says, get 75,000 points with a new mortgage. And I'm not allowed to say this word. Um, but are you freaking kidding me? 75,000 points for a new mortgage? It's just freaking frack. It's that radio show, right? Um, that's egregious. That's egregious. That's like, uh, a mortgage is one of the biggest financial products you're going to run into, right? And yet we as a nation have no problem saying, I'll take 75,000 points for a mortgage. No, 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 no. Uh, pass on that one if you can. Not saying pass on it completely. I'm saying don't go out and make a financial decision that big based on that. So other stories that kind of tie into that, and keep in mind there's a big seminar coming up Thursday night, 630 to 830, Toll House Hotel, Los Gatos, California. Lots of information, CFP, Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com, and myself all going to be there. Um and if you go to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, you can get a podcast, you can get some downloadables, you can see pictures. I know who doesn't want to see pictures. Um, but it's all out there. It's what I'm trying to get at. And um, long story short, you can learn more about the event by going to 
newfocusfinancial.com. It's all about income and retirement. That's going to be complicated. As I'm getting older, like I went to the doctor yesterday to have a mole looked at, and he says, nope, you're okay. But he said, you know what you're due for, don't you? I go, huh? And he's awesome. like, I'm like, don't say it. I'm like, don't say it. Yeah. And then I'm like, that'll be fun. So. Boy, is this great. <laughs> Getting old stinks. But the retirement aspect, you can learn a lot about and feel a little bit more comfortable. As comfortable as a colonoscopy, right? Uh, by coming to the Toll House Hotel tomorrow, New Focus Financial. Dot com, newfocusfinancial.com, uh, big event tomorrow, 6 But, you know, I was just talking about a mortgage, right? And cash-strapped Americans are willing to leverage their homes to pay the bills. Americans are pouring into marijuana stocks. Like, they're the hottest investment this year, right? You're seeing companies like uh, Juul, who does vaping, just all right, rock all and right, roll. Right. But a lot of short sellers are up in their game because they're going after you because they think you're an amateur. But then again, midterm elections could give a boost to marijuana stocks as, again, making it recreational is on a couple more states' ballots. Cash-strapped Americans are willing to leverage their homes. This is the one that, that bothers me. 24 million homeowners think it's okay to tap equity in your home to cover everyday payments. Now, when I first moved to the Bay Area back in 2000-ish, I learned that Marin was the BMW capital, or BMW capital of the world. And I was like, Why? Okay, there's a lot of wealth close by, and you know, there's some tight roads that would be fun to drive. But capital of the world? And it was people taking home equity lines of credit out, selling part of their house in order to buy a car. Now, financial people like myself, Chad Burton and others, we tend not to do that. We tend to drive the same car until it dies. Um, not always. Not always. Some people like to flaunt it. We've got to flaunt it. But as household debt rises and wage stagnate, we've seen a little bit of wage inflation. Millions of Americans are doing, but not wage inflation to offset taking out money from your home. 24 million Americans are borrowing that home equity that has to be paid back. And the problem is when you borrow with home equity, you kind of assume a best case scenario. You kind of assume that you're not going to go back to it again. And I'm not saying don't do it. Because like I said, it's a great way of selling your home and getting access to capital. If you're going to go out and redeploy it intelligently, but a car is not intelligent. Now, cash-strapped millennials, low earners, and less educated are the most likely to think of home equity as a way of solving ordinary bills. Regular household bills should be funded from regular household income, not from a home equity line of credit. But we're seeing it. You know, for some people, when wage growth is elusive, they go, "Well, I have, I can tap this home." And I'll give you the best example that I can. I know a young person who's, you know, she had a lot of questions financially. And I got the backstory on why she had so many questions. It's because her dad had a home in Fremont, California, and he took out equity on it to buy another home. You look around and you see people becoming, you know, millionaires from a $900,000 home going to $2 million. Why not? Let's do that again. Let's get on that party again. And um, her dad took out money to buy a house, and he put a renter in it. Then he took out money again and put another renter in another house. Now he's up to three houses, the one he lives in, two that he rents. Then he did it again, and then he did it again. And the 2006 set, 
and everyone went bankrupt. Not everyone went bankrupt, excuse me. The economy went down. People lost jobs. Unemployment soared to 10 to 14%, depending on what parts of the country you were in, what color your skin was, and uh, you know what sort of uh, job you had. He, he had an okay job, but not a great one. He was a guy who was an airline mechanic for most of his life. Um, was smart enough to buy a home you know, 30 years ago and had enough equity in it that he was able to pull this off. But then the, the recession hit, and when you don't have renters paying their rent for two, three, four months, and you can't put people in to cover the cost of the mortgage, you're in trouble. So in that case, he went bankrupt. And then he took on a second job to kind of like help get his family back on line. Men feel pressure to be perfect. Men feel pressure to provide for their family. So he took on a, like a rug cleaning job while also being an airline mechanic. You don't want your airline mechanic stressed, right? We learned that in Breaking Bad when, um, I won't spoil it, but an airplane plane blows up at some point because an airline mechanic lost his daughter. Okay, I just spoiled it. Oh, I hope you weren't on that episode. But, and again, I'm allowed to do that because I was like eight years ago. So, one in three homeowners who earn less than $30,000 per year say it's okay to tap into home equity to cover their everyday bills. It's not, and it can end badly. It's a real financial decision. Just like retirement has real financial decisions. And the quality of your life, you don't want to make a mistake and, and have no cash when you're 75. You don't want to have to say, you know, uh, Social Security's covering my house, my mobile park, and I can't eat food. I'm on stamps. Maybe you do want that. About three and four homeowners said home improvements or repairs are an appropriate reason to borrow money. Um, just remember, be careful. Home equity line of credit can get you in a lot of trouble. It can be a blessing or a curse. If you want to learn more about retirement, come to the big event tomorrow night in uh, Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. Great parking, easy parking, great restaurants locally. You can learn more about this income and retirement event by going to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Big event coming up. Tomorrow night in Toll House Hotel in Moscatos. A lot of talk about taxes, estate planning. Ten years before retirement, this is critical that you start educating yourself. Or you could educate yourself for your parents. The event's 25 bucks, but it's free for radio listeners. Um, you can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. China's second-in-command is saying we're facing greater difficulties in keeping the economy stable. That's not good. I'll tell you, um, anytime... People get hit with poverty. Poverty tends to make people angry. 
and they hold grudges. It's We've seen it time and time again that sometimes America falls out of favor with the world. Sometimes it's Europe. Sometimes it's just France. Sometimes it's if Afghanistan. Sometimes it's Iraq. But when people die and people get poor, it's pretty easy to radicalize them against Americans. So Chinese Premier said today at the opening of the World Economic Forum that China's confronted with a host of challenges. Their economy is, is struggling right now because the world needs the U.S. consumer. You could say a lot about the, about the United States. We have a great consumer. Will that last forever? Nope. But the way we hit capitalism after World War II, in my opinion, kind of you know rocket shot us into the, the, the economic lead. We really, really built a fortress that's pretty powerful. So I think a lot of harm is being done more so than good. And hopefully this kind of resolves itself sooner than later. It's starting to push towards the holiday season when we really become a consumer of Chinese goods on purses and T-shirts and things like that. So the Trump administration announced 10% tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods that would take effect essentially in five days. But then they also said, we're going to throw down another $267 million. And, and the headlines are bad. The cost of doing business, it, it won't be as bad as the headlines, but you don't want the world struggling. I know this sounds horrible, but thankfully Saudi Arabia has oil because there wasn't a lot going on in that country, economically speaking, until they developed that market and, and flushed it out. Uh, if you look at the greater African continent, their economies aren't strong. They're trying, they're pushing, they're hoping. But poverty is a bad thing. It is a bad thing for the U.S. reputation. It's a bad thing for the people involved. So America's dealing with that. And it's heading towards Christmas time. And we are the world's consumer. And it's going to get more costly. Um, Apple's done a great job. They talked to Trump and said, look, we're building, a, we're building a factory here. And Foxconn said, look, we're building a factory here in the United States. Um. So the job creation is kind of rocks are papered and protected Apple. Soderbergh provides particular action on the stocks mentioned. Um, but it's out there, right? Stock market had a good day yesterday, and it's having a good day today. Good day, stock market. Good day. Um, because the U.S. consumer is strong, and we're continuing to consume, and we... we the initial things that, that were hit with tariffs, like washing machines, I don't know if Americans know you can get a washing machine for $300 or you can go wash a machine for $800. It's pretty random. So that's out there. Be super careful, people, because uh, we should see a slowing. We should see less buying power. Uh, but right now, it's as good as it gets, and we're good with that. Tilroy. Tilray. Some TLRY was up 50% after going on CNBC's uh, show yesterday, where the CEO suggested that businesses would be smart, drug manufacturers would be smart, alcoholic beverage companies, ABIs would be smart by, by partnering with the, the weed companies. 
And weed stocks are on fire. Um, be careful. I saw a lot of people hurt with Bitcoin um, because they kind of chase performance. Now, again, I know a guy who's selling um, weed, push, how, how would you say, marijuana accessories. And uh, marijuana may or may not be your thing, but he's selling accessories online. And, you know, like there's different ways to cut it up and there's different ways to wrap it. There's different. I, I don't know the all the ins and outs of it. Um, but even like vape pens, I hear some of them fall apart because they're made in China and some of them are made in America and they're, they've made America great again, uh, because it's a stronger product. I don't know, but, uh, long story short, be very, very careful. Um, professional money's betting against it and it's just, it's, it's a battle. I don't like it. Housing starts and building permits for August. Didn't move the needle today. Building permits are important. Because it's future work. Permits decline 5.7% month to month. Now again, you could say, well, aren't permits more important uh, at the beginning of the year as you move into spring and summer when the weather's great and you can build houses? Generally speaking, you could kind of say that. Um, But permits, a leading indicator for single-family homes, fell 6.1% month over month. Driven by declines in all four geographic reason, uh, regions. So you could say, like, the south, the west, um, northeast, mid to west. And it, if we're not building new homes, it's going to be a bit of a problem because we just saw a lot of homes destroyed in the Carolinas, right? A lot of homes destroyed in the wildfires, right? All right, all right, all right. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Ten-year treasury is unchanged at 3.05%. So it's holding 3%. Now, if you were to say, give me something positive, Rob, banking stocks should have a very good year next year. Not all of them. Total broker advisors for taking action on any stocks mentioned on this show. Banks have trailed the broader market recently. And uh, basically over a good period of time right now, bank stocks haven't performed as well as many had hoped. Bank earnings have been more robust now. Um, and they're building. Banks have been... Um, having to pay, you know, a lot of the spreads, slow loan growth has been a major argument for bears, people who don't want the stocks to go higher. So are we tapped out? It's a good question. But a lot of favorite bank names are like names like Bank of America, Citigroup, CIT Group, Goldman Sachs. Um, And then there's an ETF of bank stocks called XLF. You could look into that. I think you should have a diversified portfolio. I think you should be patient. I'd be very cautious chasing performance. Um, maybe sometimes that boat has sailed. But uh, consult with Burke Advisor. Do what you got to do. Big event coming up tomorrow night in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. Can't wait to see you. It's a great location. Get there early because traffic can be tough, but parking's easy. You can sign up at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. Use code RADIO25 to get in for free. <laughs> sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I was I was going to replay one of your segments earlier, later, and that didn't fire correctly. Uh, but we got you live and happy for it. Uh, big event coming up Thursday night. Look at your calendar. That's tomorrow. Uh, 6.30 to 8.30. Toll House Hotel. Lots of information at newfocusfinancial.com. Read that information. See if it's appropriate for you because it's a big event. It's on taxes. It's on investing in retirement. It's on income strategies. It's a lot of content. Is it going to solve all of your retirement woes and needs? Probably not, but it's a good start. It's a good start to get to know CFP, Chad Burton, and myself as well. Find out more information at newfocusfinancial.com. So, Chad, one of the things you're talking about that's really, really tough to make interesting on radio is yield curves and flattening versus spreading out. Um, it, It ties into the banks. It ties into money. It ties into lending. Why do we care, or why does the listener care in this scenario? Well, in a normal environment, if you're going to lock your money up for 10 years instead of two years, you want to be paid a higher coupon, right? A higher interest payment on a quarterly or annual basis if you're going to lock your money up 10 years, right? That that just seems pretty normal. Usually a two-year CD pays much less than a five-year CD at a bank. But right now, the two-year Treasury note is yielding around 2.8%, and the 10-year Treasury is at 3%. So that's what's called the flattening of the yield curve. The shorter-term rates have been coming up as the Federal Reserve has been dealing with interest rates, while the 10-year really hasn't been moving. In fact, every time it hits about 3%, it tends to be falling back down to around 2.85%. It's just this kind of roller coaster ride. So people just aren't getting paid to lock their money up a long period of time. Um, and it's the, that kind of issue causes some pain in bond funds, which tend to buy longer-term bonds. And people are going to notice a decline in their bond fund values for uh, this the year to date so far, Rob. So, you know, this, this event that we're doing on Thursday is for people that are 10 years from retirement or in retirement. And that's the point where it's really key to start transitioning your portfolio allocation to make sure you're becoming a little bit more conservative. That typically means bonds. And so a lot of people are kind of at this FOMO if you're missing out on stock market returns and they're looking at bond funds saying, this is just not super attractive to me. So it's a tough situation for retirees to be in. Um, And I get it. And there's there's certain things that you might want to look at instead of just dumping it right into a bond fund. That is, like I said, it's pretty dry content. Um, it's tough to make that oh, sexy. And, well, no, no, no. That's what I, I think one of the problems is with investing and saving for retirement, don't you think? Is that people don't, you know, people kind of gravitate towards sexy and they're like, well, what can I do with Tesla? What can I do with weed stocks? What can I do with Bitcoin? Flattening the yield curve is kind of, it's dry, uh, but it's yep. important. So eh, I don't want to oversell that and uh, scare people. It is ultimately what it is. And you can find out more. Come talk to CFP Chad Burton, Thursday night, 630 to 830. Las Gatos, Toll House Hotel. A lot of information at newfocusfinancial.com. Use code radio25. Um, options for invest, uh, options for investors. Are, are we talking stock options here? Are we talking about you know ideas as you head towards retirement options? Because well, when I get asked questions on retirement, I'm like, well, let me th- let me finish that. When I get asked about retirement by people, I go, "Well, you have this option of working longer and making it easier for yourself, or you can try to start it now." Um, 
let's talk a little bit about bonds and retirement and, and options that people have, especially in this bond environment that's so dry and confusion. Yeah, yeah, and what I was talking about at the six o'clock show is people are going to be looking. Let's say you're 55 years old and you're okay. I got to start adding bonds, and you start looking at the returns and your bond funds in your 401k. And you're, wow, the market's, the stock market's up, but bonds are actually down. So, like, PIMCO total returns down almost 2%. Vanguard total bond market index is down a little over 1%. Um, so people are kind of like, oh, well, maybe now is not the time to add. And they're not all like that. And even when interest rates rise, there are certain managers that can be okay during that type of an environment. So what are your choices in your 401k? You know you need to add some conservative positions if you're worried about rising rates. Um, at least look at things like the stable value fund that might be in your 401k that still might be yielding around 2%, but is not as subject to interest rate increases and declines like some of the bond funds are. Let's say you're looking at your bond portfolio in your 401k, and you're like, oh, well, wait, chances bonds are down, but this strategic income fund is up. Well, the strategic income funds are names that I think should be disallowed because a lot of those funds are junk bonds, mixed with 5 to 10% in stocks. And so the returns have been good. However, if we go into a recession, those things get hammered pretty pretty tough. And people right. aren't as conservative as they think they are. So the other option is most 401ks now allow a brokerage link where you can open up an account within your 401k at Schwab or Fidelity or other places, and you can actually buy CDs inside your 401k um, or better bond choices. So maybe get some outside advice. Take a look at your bond portfolio, and is it right for you right now? Big event coming up Thursday night, 630 to 830. Um, I hope I don't get electrocuted because I was hearing some cutting in and out. That would make for good radio. So, And by the way, the mole I had looked at yesterday was not cancerous. So that's a, that's a relief, right? About <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I know, right? You know, that's probably like the one thing I'd never want to talk about on radio, moles. It just doesn't work. It's just like it's it's disgusting. Anyway, um, bond lab. Yeah, you're still doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what was the point. Thank you for showing the curtain what's behind it. Um, so you just talked about bond products that have stocks mixed in, and I've always known hybrid products have problems because it's easy to sell one way or the other. But it's it's still a problem. That's that's concerning. How about bond ladders? Because you know, 20, 30 years ago, we were talking about, hey, you get a one-year ladder, and then get a one-year bond, and then get a, a two-year bond, and a three-year bond in retirement, and then in four years, you're, you're living off that one-year bond, and you buy another one-year bond or a three-year bond at that point in time, and you kind of ladder it up. Is that still a strategy? Because that was it was kind of simplistic, and it was kind of easy to understand. Yeah, yeah. Prior to, to 2005 or so, that was kind of an easy thing to do is buy, you know, bonds. Laddering means you have chunks of money that, and what I would used to do is have large chunks of money mature in the bond portfolio every five years. So you could say, do I need to replenish my cash or do I need to just reinvest in, you know, 15 or 20 year bonds? And prices got tough, um, interest rates got low. So it's like, why am I locking up money for 15 years at 4.5%? Um, so I say no to the bond ladder right now. On the other hand, there's certain. Places like Kathy Jones, Chief and Fixed Income Strategist at Schwab, is still saying go out and buy, you know, start with a two-year maturity type thing and then ladder from there. But look, I look online and I can see 12-month CDs from Synchrony Bank at 2.45% versus, you know, two and three, two to ten-year bonds yielding about three. So what's what's the point in buying individual bonds when you if 
you think rates will be higher, park it in a CD for 12 months and buy then. Or what we do is we do a little bit of that for people's safe money, but then we still own normal bonds. We own some unconstrained bonds where the manager has the ability to hedge some rates and go anywhere, as well as companies that do institutional work only so you don't have retail investors running for the door if rates go up. And they're kind of in the three- to seven-year maturity range. That's where they're buying right now. And those bonds have done fairly well. Anything else that we should hit on, or just do you want to plug the seminar? Well, other options, too, like I said, it's brokers link inside your 401k, in-service rollovers if you're age 55 or older. Sometimes you can roll money out of your 401k into an IRA, but there's some pitfalls for that. Like, you might not be able to do a Roth anymore. Um, so be careful with that. But just look at your overall options. That 10-year period, we'll talk about that at event. you got to get your expenses in order, your allocation in order, and your tax plan in order so that you'll be ready in 10 years to retire. Sounds good. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. You'll see uh, pictures of him and I there. You'll get all sorts of data that you can download for free. You can get um, read the blogs. There's that. There's the podcast available as well. And uh, come out and meet us. Sign up for the event Thursday evening, 630 to 830. That's 630 to 830. Uh, Thursday at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos, California. Big event. Um, year's kind of wrapping up, and I always kind of like the wrap-up shows, like what to expect for the rest of the year and what to expect next year. Um, I think a lot of it's going to hinge on the midterm elections um, and the resolution of the tariffs winning if they do happen. But uh, we'll talk about some of these things for sure. Uh, retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar Toll House Hotel. Uh, very complicated retirement has become, and you know, with the bond situation being what it is, if yields were higher, it'd be like, ooh, let's cruise into retirement. But when yields are lower and you're saying, you know, stocks make more sense than bonds, but then valuations get stressed, are you prepared for a downdraft? That's a good, good, good question. Better to think about it before it happens. So you have your options, not stock options, but options, social security strategies, good and bad retirement products, long-term care costs, lots of content. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code radio25 to get in for free. Come out and hang out with me and Chad in Los Gatos. some long-term goals into bite-sized chunks. When you get married, when you settle down, when you're with a sugar bugger, when you're raising a family, you got to start thinking things like college and future cars 
and homes and future homes. And I think one of the things that's kind of you know, struck me as a reality is as you start getting closer to 50, you start thinking, did I plan enough for colleges? Did I plan enough for taxes this year? So you always want to do things in bite-sized chunks. So start thinking college and then put a number on it. You don't have to solve it today. Take the weekend off. You don't have to solve it today. I hate advice like use a cash-only diet to keep spending in check. That's just admitting that you're pathetic. If you can't stick with a credit card and know that you make $2,000 a month, don't spend more than $2,000 a month. And like, well, I just had a $73 lunch. You're probably going to spend more than $2,000 a month. You should have a feel for uh, where you're going to fall as far as your spending goes. And you should have different categories in your head. Your regular bills, they never fluctuate. I was just looking at my trash bill, doing my budget from last year. I know, you're saying you still do budgets from the past year? Yeah. And for some reason, my trash gets billed heavy every other month. So it's like one month they bill for two months, and the next month they bill for one month. And I don't even know what I'm spending on trash. It's a trash! That's Adam Blackbar. He's my good buddy. Akbar died in the recent movie. No more Akbar. It's a trap. It's a trap. So look at your regular bills and then look at things that, you know, vary from month to month, like food and clothes and gifts. Think of some of your money in like a regular account. Think of some of it in a checking account. Think of some of it in an investment account. Don't look at it as, you know, it's all cash. I hate people who say, just look, you know, spend cash only. Uh, it's okay to keep some things separate with your finances. Um, if that's the way you feel comfortable, that's the way you feel comfortable. But the the thing is, is you have to agree on the bigger purchases and you have to agree on like, what number do you feel comfortable with? And if he wants to save and she wants to spend or he wants to spend and she wants to vacation or you kind of got to get on the same page, right? Um, have regular dates to talk about money. I know you're saying sexy. You mean like a, a date where we talk about how much we're going to spend in a masseuse? No, 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 no. <laughs> a date where you talk about money. You could keep the masseuses separate. Okay. Keep the bedtime love and action separate than the money talks. Never talk about money when you're drunk, high stone, um, uh, angry, take the emotions out of money. So, if you can handle it as a team, that's great. I could tell you as a guy who pays all the bills, who sees all the bills, who funds all the bills, um, who pays all the credit cards on time, who looks at the rewards and figures those out on time, I could tell you you could start to resent a partner pretty easily. If you're making all the decisions and you're paying all the bills and the other person's like, I'm going to go fill up the gas tank. I'm helping the family today. You could really get kind of angry at that person. It's like, okay. Okay. Um, try to fit a budget that create, uh, try to get a, a budget that kind of like fits both of you. I will be honest with you. I wear a t-shirt, a hoodie, jeans, white socks, and one of two pairs of sneakers a day. For typically 365 days of the year. There's a couple days where I break out sweaters and ski clothes and 
shorts when it gets really hot. It's hot out here, Um, but it's not often. I don't spend a lot on clothes. But if I'm with someone who wants to spend a lot on clothes, I'm fine with that. Let's just budget for it and make sure that, you know, we're good with that. So create a budget that fits both of your lifestyles. I find that one kind of important. So, you know, maybe my thing's video games or maybe my thing's buying magic gummy bears. You know, maybe my thing is watching, going to one sporting event a year. I find that people, they have season tickets to things. That's just too much, isn't it? The best way to do season tickets is at least splitting them so you're only doing 25% of the games. Going to every game is like, it's a chore. You know, I would have loved to watch the Warriors live last night. I had to work. Glad I don't have season tickets because then I would be like, oh, I got to give away the tickets. But knowing that there's another game in like two days and knowing there's, you know, not like it's too much. I once had season tickets. Probably the biggest thing I regret. There's a couple. Most of them have to do with women. Some of them do with scotch. But probably the biggest thing I regret in my life was buying season tickets with a friend to the Washington Capitals some 20 years plus ago. Uh, 25 years. Think of me as just out of, high, out of college and spending $2,000, not on a car, not on a house, but on a sporting event that you had to drive to in rush hour. So, no, it's not fun. It's not nice. It's no good. It's no bueno. I know you're saying, Rob, you're showing some true colors today. A hoodie and sneakers? You don't like season tickets? Really? I get carried away, carried away, carried away. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.